just to explain to you, we're going through uh, the book of Corinthians as Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. As one of our values at, at Gateway, as a part of New Frontiers, is that we, we believe that we preach through the Bible. At some time or other, we choose different um, books. And um, I think it's fair to say, and we, we're, we talk about this a lot at the moment, don't we, Richard, that um, this book of Corinthians has been exceptionally helpful for us as a church. And I know many of you are being challenged by it. And uh, the, the Apostle Paul said, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's there for us. It's there to teach us, to rebuke us, to encourage us, and to train us in righteousness, and, uh, and just point us in the way that um, we need to go. And uh, that's my passion for today. So we're continuing um, with Corinthians in chapter 9. of This is the first epistle, if you can talk, um, turn to that. I'm gonna cont- I don't normally do this, but I, I'm, I'm just enjoying the message um, translation of the Bible so much. I'm going to continue with it today, because... I've chosen some pretty challenging chapters this um, this series. Um, the other one was on sex, and I think we got through that all well and good. You're still here, and I'm still here. And um, but now we're we move, Paul's moving on. Um, the, the trouble is, is that it, the beginning of chapter stop tittering there. <laughs> the, the beginning of chapter nine um, it, it seems to cut in halfway through. But basically, um, Paul is seeking to address. Um, to the Corinthian church, those who were questioning his calling as an apostle to the church there. That's what this is about, okay? And um, he, so I'm going to cut straight in on verse 1. And don't tell me that I have no authority to write like this. I am perfectly free to do this. Isn't that obvious? This is Paul, I'm quoting Paul, not me, okay? (laughs) Just to let that be known. Um, Haven't I been given a job to do? Wasn't I commissioned to this work in a face-to-face meeting with Jesus, our master? Are you yourselves proof? Aren't you yourselves proof of the good work that I have done for the master? Even if no one else admits the authority of my commission, you can't deny it. Why? My work is with you as living proof of my authority. I'm not shy in standing up to my critics. We who are on a missionary assignment for God have a right to a decent accommodations and we have a right to support for us and our families. You don't, you don't seem to have raised questions with the other apostles and our master's brothers, Peter, in these matters. So why me? Is it just Barnabas and I that have to go it alone and pay our own way? Are soldiers self-employed? Are gardeners forbidden to eat vegetables from their own gardens? Don't milkmaids get to drink from their fill of the pail? I'm not just sounding off because I'm irritated. I think he was irritated. (laughs) This is all written in the scriptural law Moses wrote. Don't muzzle an ox to keep it from eating the grain when it's threshing. Do you think Moses' primary concern was care of farm animals? Don't you think this concern... His concern extends to us. Of course, farmers plough and thresh expecting something when the crop comes in. So if we have planted spiritual seed among you, is it out of line to expect a meal or two from you? Others demand plenty from you in these ways. Don't we who have never demanded deserve even more? But we are not going to start demanding now. 
what we have always had a perfect right to. Our decision all along has been to put up with anything rather than to get in the way or detract from the message of Christ. That's a key thing. That's a key thing. All I'm concerned with right now is that you not use our decision to take advantage of others, depriving them of what is rightfully theirs. You know, don't you, that it has always been taken for granted that those who work in the temple, he's referring to the the temple at Jerusalem, live off the proceeds from the temple. And those who offer sacrifices at the altar eat their meals from what has been sacrificed, along with the same lines. The master directed, master is Jesus here, the master directed that those who spread the message be supported by those who believe the message. Still, I want it to be made clear that I have never gotten anything out of this for myself and that I am not writing now to get something. I'd rather die than give anyone ammunition to discredit me or impugn my motives. Here we go again. If I proclaim the message, it's not to get something out of it for myself. I am compelled to do it and I am doomed if I don't. If this was my own idea or just another way to make a living, I'd expect some pay. But since it is not my idea, but something solemnly entrusted to me, why would I expect to get paid? So am I getting anything out of it? Yes. As a matter of fact, the pleasure of proclaiming the message at no cost to you. You don't even have to pay me expenses. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the the demonised, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world and try to experience the things from their point of view, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. It's beautiful, isn't it? I did all of this, why? Because of the message. Because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finishing line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not even going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out on my, it myself. What a passage. He was wound up on this one, wasn't he? He was wound up on it. And what was winding him up? His passion for the message. That, that was it. I've had to reread and reread this chapter because I could have gone in many different ways on this. But what is hitting me about Paul here is his passion for the message. He, was sur- he surrendered up his rights his human rights as a minister, in order that the message would go forth. That's why we're entitling this talk, Human Rights and the Cross. Because Paul 
had such a passion that he wouldn't let anything get in the way. He'd surrender all rights so that long as the gospel, the gospel message of Jesus Christ could run through society. My heart's really been affected by Paul. That's the beauty of these letters because you, you see into the heart of the writer. He was getting miffed. But he wouldn't let that control him. He'd put up with all things in order that the message isn't, it isn't, isn't besmirched or defrauded. Because Jesus has, had apprehended him. I want to show you something that's transformed our marriage. Um, it's called a GPS sat-nav. Uh, has anybody else found that too? Can you stick your hands up? A test me time, thank you. I see a hand over there. Anybody else brave enough? Another one there. Hello, Mike. Nice to see you. <laughs> okay. It's um, a GPS. And I want to speak today, um, I want to hang what I'm going to say on about GPS. I think they call it, is it an acronym? A GPS? Something like that. Sounds like a spider, but... It stopped us arguing when we drive. Because I'm driving, my wife navigates, I've checked this out with my wife, so she's okay on this. But it's taken time for us to know how that works. Sue no long, sorry, Sue has at last found grace not only to live with me after 38 years, she no longer feels threatened when another woman's voice gives me instructions <laughs> that I trust in preference to her map reading directions. It's been a process, but now we have a functional GPS guiding us, and Sue's grace is extraordinary. There are a few arguments going on in the church at Corinth about the way the Corinthian church should go. Some wanted it to go this way, some wanted it to go that way. The problem was that they had taken a wrong turning and we're missing out on God's directions for them as a church. And the more I've studied Corinthians, the more I'm personally challenged by Paul's unerring focus on his purpose for living. I'm being profoundly challenged by it in my own life. He was a man gripped. There's your G, right, gripped. He was a man gripped by God and apprehended by him, confronting him of his own sinful, aggressive behaviour. And Jesus, the risen Jesus, appeared to him on that road to, Samar- uh, um, to Damascus and turned his life around. And he had a new priority and a new purpose. I just want to read to you the record of Paul's conversion or Saul's conversion, because his name was changed. It's Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he did Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless and they heard a sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. This proud man was being humbled. For three days he, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And Damascus and in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision and said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas or Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to him and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to the saints, your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on him. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is a chosen instrument to carry my name before Gentiles and their kings, before the people of Israel. And I will show him how much you must suffer in my name. And Ananias stayed at his house and didn't go. I am so glad Ananias didn't stay at his house, but he obeyed and went. If that one man, it's the only time he's mentioned in the Bible, but he was obedient to what God had told him to do, to go. Because he had the courage to go and say what God had told him to this man who he was scared of, it changed the course of history. Please see that. We often talk about Paul as a great missionary. I think Ananias is a bit of a star here, don't you? Because it's a courageous thing when God speaks to you supernaturally, whether it's just a, an impression on your heart to pick up a phone or to go to somebody's house and, 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 and just give them a gift or talk to them about Jesus. That's a big ask. But you know Jesus made the big ask to Ananias. Because he's Jesus. And you know, he can make the big ask to you. He can make the big ask to me. Because when Jesus as Lord asks us, who are we to say, no, I will not go? But I'm so glad he said yes, because he could bless. And it changed it changed society. It changed human history. This one man. One man. You remember the story how, well, some of you will remember the story of how Billy Graham became a Christian. This one man, I think called McCulkin, I think his name was, he invited this young upstart along to an evangelistic meeting. He wouldn't go. So he got Billy Graham, this young Billy Graham, to drive his van. He said, well, if you drive, will you go? And he said, I'll go. And he went and he gave his life to the Lord. We need to celebrate <laughs> people like that because we're in a celebrity culture that always looks for the big name and not the, the obedient believer whose name gets lost in the sands of time. But they're not lost in heaven. And you may never stand in front of this lot and preach. And God bless you for that. You'll be better off for it. <laughs> I'm only joking. It's a privilege. But you can just lead one person to Christ and you can transform a, a village. 
you can transform a street, you can transform a cul-de-sac. If you're obedient, I believe Jesus can do that because he knows what's going on in the heart of men and women. And if he's telling you to do something, trust him for it. Because Ananias, I was going to preach on this bit, Ananias didn't know what Jesus had been up to. He had to tell him, well, I've already had a word with Saul, and he's blind. I've just, had a, I've just touched his eyes, and he's, he's having some visual difficulties at the moment. And I want you in on it, Ananias. I want you, yeah, I want you. I want you to have the privilege to be involved in the story. And Paul, his name was changed from Saul to Paul. God wrote Saul of Tarsus into the story. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're here today, you believe in Jesus Christ, you have been written into the story with a purpose and a destiny to reach more people for him. Do you understand that? You've been written into the script. It's wonderful. Well, not me. You have. You do not know what God can do through you. But so often, we're like the Corinthians, we get sidetracked because we're more concerned about all the problems rather than the possibilities. In Acts 26, he goes on further on in his life now. He's done a bit of damage to the kingdom of darkness, Paul has, and he's now before um, the courts. And Acts 26, verses 6 to 18, um, he's now with King Agrippa. What a funny name that is. Then he's telling, recounting his testimony. He's giving his testimony. Isn't that what's interesting? He's giving his testimony. He's giving his testimony. He's testifying about Jesus. He's not giving him a three-point sermon. He's just telling him his testimony. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then he asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness. Notice the difference there. What comes first? Servant. Get that round the right way and you'll be a great witness. I've appointed you as a servant. He didn't even give him a choice. I love him. I love him. And you know what? He could have him because he's Jesus. And as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. Can I just say, church, you have seen enough things in your lifetime at Gateway to tell all of Ashford about Jesus. What Barbara shared the other week, that was remarkable. That was a supernatural healing. Don't, you know, I think that's worth an amen. Yeah. Lord, you are, you are, we are seeing things here. Let's not be mute. I will rescue you, Jesus said to him, from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open up their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Now, this is it. I am... I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God 
so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's a message. That's a commission. And he's not rescinded it. That's what you're called to do. You're called to do it. People need to be delivered from Satan, taken from darkness into light. They need to know that their sins can be forgiven and there's a future for them. And he's calling you to do that. Why? Because he loves the world. He hates the consequences of sin because it beats people up. He hates Satan and he'll deal with Satan. He'll cast Satan into the eternal pit one day. Because Satan is a thief, a robber, and a murderer. And God is a giver of life. He wanted Paul, he called Paul to open people's eyes to a knowledge of the truth. If we've been gripped and apprehended by God, it's for a purpose, church, not to give us a good life where life's issues are smoothed out deal with that one now. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, deal with it, but cheer up, I've overcome the world. Don't sing that on Sunday, well perhaps we ought to. Can you write a song? Cheer up, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In this world you'll have troubles. (laughs) The problem for the Corinthians was that they had got lost. It's possible for churches to get lost. In Revelation, when Jesus visited, um, John was taken up to the, um, the Apostle John was taken up to, the, to heaven in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and Jesus gave his assessment of churches, seven churches, and he said, I'm taking, me, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm taking their ability to witness out. I'm, because they're not, they're not dealing with some stuff that needs dealing with. I'm going to blow out their candle before the Father. Wow. He could take us out. Church, he could take us out. He could just go, Lord Jesus, keep us from that. Keep us from that. Keep us from having our candle of witness being blown out because we're not dealing with stuff that needs to be dealt with in our lives. You see, they've got sidetracked and the cul-de-sac of infighting, judging each other, critical and laced with an unhealthy dose of selfish entitlement. Entitlement is a huge issue in our culture at the moment, isn't it? That sense of entitlement. If you've got kids, you know all about it, don't you? Yeah? Can I just give you a, word, a fatherly word of advice? Your kids aren't your best mates. They're your children. You're called to father them, not be their best mate. That's, that's, that, that will keep you going. That will keep you in a safe place. So back to Corinth. You see, like you've heard the story about Nero. He fiddled a bit bonkers, wasn't he? He fiddled while Rome burnt. I think they reckon he set Rome afire, didn't they? Historians. He was fiddling while Rome burnt. You see, we can be worshipping while Ashford's burning. We can be singing all the great songs, and I believe in these songs, and I'm not witnessing, I'm not obeying the message myself. I'm not lining up with what God has called me to do. I sat with my allotment neighbour the other week on a bench 
And he poured his heart out to me. I want to say, I want to confess to you, I blew it. I didn't have the courage to say, Jesus can help you. I can, I can fail. And you know what? You can fail. But I want to succeed. I want to get a breakthrough. If we all got a breakthrough, man, this would be an interesting scenario we're now in, wouldn't it? They were losing grip on what they'd been apprehended for. And Jesus got hold of me as an 11-year-old and knelt down the side of my bed and cried my socks off. Jesus cleansed me on the inside. It apprehended me for something. In the satirical, satirical um, letters, it's a collection of letters written by C.S. Lewis, yeah? Um, it was a very clever book called um, The Screwtape Letters, and... Um, which he writes to help Christians understand the nature of spiritual warfare. Um, and it's, it's about a, a senior devil talking to a junior devil, how, you, how they can stop Christians being effective. And uh, he writes this, we must picture, so this is a senior devil writing to a junior devil, we must picture hell as a stage where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement. Where, ev- where everyone has a grievance, where everyone lives with the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance and resentment. If, G- if the enemy can keep us focusing on internal problems, he'll succeed. What he doesn't like is when God's people get it together and realise we have a call to be a witness to the message. You're called. You, you, you have been called. Well, I'm not, I'm not very good. Now, that's not the issue. Saul of Tarsus wasn't very good. He's called you. And because he's God, he can choose who he likes. So he's chosen you, but Lord, you don't know what problems I've got. Well, hold on a minute. That's stupid because God knows everything. He does know what problems you've got, and he's still chosen you. You don't know what sort of situations you walk back into to, to, if you're a teacher, what, what situation you walk back into when you come back from half term and the situations you're facing, all of a sudden you're teaching a class and then the, the, the next moment you've got a, a huge issue, haven't you? And you've got to pastor it and care for it because some child has been hurt, injured or, or killed. We, you don't know what we're facing tomorrow, but we're called to be witnesses because God's got apprehended you. For the, this, is, this is your moment. This may be your moment right now. Where you'll affect the whole school because of your Christian witness. You see, the easiest thing in the world for a preacher is to motivate people to witness by guilt. We've got to save some from hell. Now, that's in the Bible, in, in, in Jude. You've got to rescue them from the fire. That is true. I've tried that, though. I, I've, I've stood on Leicester Market with a placard and, you know, turn or burn sort of thing. It don't work. It don't work. But I'm finding a better way, and it's this. Jesus died to bring many sons to glory. If we see our, the, the, our call to, with a message is to bring men and women, to become sons and daughters of God. That's motivational, <laughs> isn't it? That you too can be a daughter of God. God. God cares for you. God wants to be your father. He wants to be everything 
Everything you need him to be, he wants to be there for you. Beautiful. He, Paul was gripped. You know what? I want to be gripped. I, I, honestly, I do. I really want to be gripped afresh by the fact that God's got hold of me to communicate the message. 17 years ago, when we were in India, in a place called Margao in Goa, we met this man called David Ludwig. He's one of my all-time heroes. David, um, he used to be in the James Bond movies. He was, on the, he was in The Spy Who Loved Me. He was a, a part-time act, actor. You remember the bit in The Spy Who Loved Me with the underground submarine sort of docking station? Do you remember that? And uh, the explosion blows in one of the computer rooms, and one of the guys... One of the guys on the computer, he flies through the air. That's David Ludwig. <laughs> it is. David say, that's me. <laughs> Somebody had the courage to take this man who had a very successful shrimp wrap business in London. They took him to a Louis Palau. Pilau? That's a, that's a rice dish, isn't it? Pilau? Palau? To an evangelistic evening. Somebody had the courage to say, David, come along to this meeting. But David was successful. He had his own business. So he went along. And Louis Palau preached the gospel. And David Ludwig went forward. Single guy. He went home. On his way home, he saw an evangelist with sketchboard. You know how they do sketchboard gospel messages? And he was standing there watching him. And his thought came into his head. Go to India and train sketchboard gospel evangelists to have a gospel evangelistic evangelist gospel um, sketchboard preacher in every state in India. So he linked up with Youth for Christ. Sorry, YWAM, not Youth for Christ, YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And he 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 learned three gospel stories, messages, and he learned how to do it. He sold his shrink wrap business and went to India. I met him in, in Margao, in Goa. He'd already arrived there. He, he was so happy because he'd been preaching every day in Margao Centre, those of you who've been to Goa, every day, and after three years, he sees his first person become a Christian with a supernatural healing. Still single. He's now in his 50s. He was then in his 50s. We heard from him recently. He's now got married to a gorgeous Indian lady. And he's achieved his goal. He's got sketchboard evangelists in every state in India. Why could he do that? How could he do that? He's just an ordinary guy who hears God and does it and gives his life for the message. How could he do that? Because somebody had the courage to love him enough to say, David, you need God. Come along to this meeting. And I don't even know that person's name. And the people in India will not know that person's name until they get to glory. Can you see how it works, church? 
So when you watch The Spy Who Loved Me Again, watch out for the computer operator. That's David Ludwig, I know him. <laughs> Secondly, Paul, like David, made the message his priority. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he says this, I discipline my body like an athlete trained to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I, might self, I myself might be disqualified. You see, we've got to, we won't be perfect until we get to glory, but we can be authentic. We can be authentic. The trouble is, some of, it's easy to start letting things slip in your witness in terms of how you live your life. I know one guy said to another person, I can't hear what you're saying because your life is shouting at me. That had to hurt. That had to hurt. I can't hear your words because your life is shouting at me. We can't be perfect, but we can be authentic. And I don't want... um, I'm just going to say this because I felt God say to me. Be aware of the story of Samson. Samson, anointed and called by God, but he was a flirt. And he thought he could get away with it, and he kept flirting and flirting with women, and in the end he got caught out, and the anointing went from him. Church, let's be aware, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Satan is not in a hurry to catch you out. He can bide his time but he wants to mar and destroy your witness. Be aware of that. When Jesus was in the... He was sent by the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness after he'd started his public ministry. Note the interesting point. The Holy Spirit led him through to the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And he came through strong. He went out being led by the Spirit, but he returned in the power of the Spirit. And sometimes, you know, when you go through temptation, if you do it well, you'll come back in the power of the Spirit. Right? But it says, Satan left him until an opportune time. There was another opportune time later on in Gethsemane. So we have to be aware that we do have an enemy who would want to mar our testimony to destroy and, and um, make the message of null and void because people can't hear what you're saying because your life is shouting at them. Can't be perfect, but we can live authentic. You've done wrong, apologise for it. But we've come to serve. In your office, go and serve. Are you always, always the last one to buy the drinks? Yeah? We have an extravagant God. Let's be extravagant in our generosity to others. Always expecting somebody else to pick up the tab. Jesus was never the last one through the door of the pub. You know what I'm saying, guys? As a way of manoeuvring yourself so you never have to pay the bill. So Paul sought to run and buffet his body. Not buffet his body. (laughs) But he kept in control the bodily appetites so they didn't get the better of him. Billy Graham read his biography. He said this, he said, I I I run scared. 
I'd run scared. He'd never be in a room with, a, with a, another woman on his own, no matter how innocuous. Never be in a car with another woman on his own. He said, I'd run scared. And I'm so glad he's run scared because look at the testimony to thousands of millions now because Satan wanted to destroy him in order that the message would be compromised. In verse 14 um, of 1 Corinthians 9, Paul writes this, we would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Jesus Christ. Oh, put up with anything. What's your anything? I've got an anything. What's your anything? I'm going to put up with that for the gospel's sake. What's your anything? I'm going to put up with this abuse for the gospel's sake. Can I ask you a question? Is there anything, anything that's hindering your witness to share the message with others in your street, place of work? Can I just be, say, be careful with Facebook? It's neutral, Facebook, but how you use it can be devastating. It can, be, it could, it can ruin your witness. Is there an attitude, a miserliness, anything that's hindering your witness? Gossip, please watch out. Please watch out. Because you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, church, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's about a father relationship that God wants with people. Any darkness stopping you pointing this way to the light? We should deal with it. People are watching you. Let your lights shine that they may glorify your Father in heaven. And finally, sharing the message. GPS, verse 23, I did all this because of the message. <laughs> I did, I'm, I'm, I'm living like this for you because of the message, because I don't want to mar the message. In fact, I'm passionate about it. I just don't want to talk about it. I want it to be in on it. Whoa. I have to say, I'm pretty good at sharing the message. In fact, I'm passionate about the message. I'll share it with anyone who will listen. My barber, person down the street, it's brought me a new perspective on living. It's taken the stress out of things. I've seen far more positive results because of this and I'll tell everybody about it. I've seen a fruitfulness come. It's provided greater protection from the storms of life. It's a real sense of fulfillment. I can steer the conversation to what people's appetite want a similar experience as that. It's not difficult. I really urge you to buy a polytunnel for your allotment. I can just eagerly talk about allotmenting. I'm passionate about it. I can name three points why it would change your life. It would. You'll get cheaper vegetables, more exercise, less stress, and better quality. I've got no fear in talking about my message. Simon, fellow Altman, it's true, isn't it? We, are, we, we can articulate the message. But there's a greater message that I struggle with. Does anybody else with me on this? You find it easier to talk about other things more easily than the message of Jesus? We're human, aren't we? 
We are human. Come on, church. Let's be honest with ourselves. Honesty will bring revelation and freedom. Why, Why am I like this? Lack of being gripped. Lack of awareness. I'm being gripped by God. It's not a priority. Graham, I'm speaking to myself. It's got to be a priority. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing through the message. Charles Spurgeon asked those who struggle with sharing the message this question. Perhaps we are secretly offended by the cross. Am I offended by the cross? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an offence, isn't it? The cross has always been an offence. And it's going to be, Graham, it's going to be an offence to you sharing it. You're not going to, you're going to be, you'll be offended by it, let alone anybody else, because it doesn't seem to make sense that God died in human form on the cross for your sins, that you may be forgiven and have a relationship with the Father. That's the message. Let us not be distressed, he writes, by the offence of the cross, even when it comes to upon us with bitterest scorn. And this is the reason. Proverbs 29, 25 says it all. The fear of man will be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And today, I want these minutes we've got left, we can, go, we can squeeze another five minutes out of this. I want us to see God break the fear of man in our lives because there's a message we have which is glorious. It can change families, it can change individuals and you know what, it can, it, it can call you to share the message it can call you to share the message I'm going to ask you to do something um, we've never done before, I like it when I can say that some people this last seven days have talked to people about Jesus it's not that you're better, it's just that you've, this week you've had a breakthrough and you've talked to them about Jesus. You've stepped over that line and you've overcome the fear to talk to others about Jesus. And you know who you are. And today we're going to honour you and then we're going to ask you to pray for us. So if you, this last week, have talked to anybody about Jesus, would you like to stand up? Come to the front. Yeah, thank you. Come. Hold on, Richard. Okay. Anybody else? Thank you. That's fine. There's no superstars. It's just that this week, God's chosen. This is your Ananiases. <laughs> yeah? Thank you. Thank you. This is, this, is how, this is how the kingdom grows. It's through ordinary people whom God says, I want you to share. Can you stretch out? That's it. Okay. Fine. That's it. Well done, Anna. I've heard this story. I heard you've been on the rampage. Um, perhaps you can stretch out a bit more because I'm going to ask people, we're going to, what we're going to do, we're going to play that song again on the, on the video so musicians, you can take a break. Uh, no longer a slave to fear. And if... It may be everybody. I don't know how we're going to do this. It might not work. But I just want you to acknowledge like me, I want to have a breakthrough here. And this week, these people have got an anointing. I want you to pray for me, by the way. Um, God, I'm aligning with you on this. I want to break free from the fear of sharing. Can we do that? Yeah. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd help us right now to be authentic 
and to receive an impartation from these people who have an impartation. They've broken through in areas that perhaps some of us haven't to the degree that we need to. Lord, we no longer want to be a slave to fear in this church for witnessing for you because we want to see many sons and daughters come into glory. Amen. Okay, let's stand. You can sing this song. It's a wonderful song. You unravel me. Um, that's the first line. No longer a slave to fear. You can sing along, but you also can get prayer. Don't make long prayers, otherwise we'll be here till 2 o'clock this afternoon. And we've got a chicken in the and we've got people coming around to lunch. So just, just bless them. I pray release from fear upon your life. Amen. That's a good prayer to pray, isn't it? Okay.